We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 1,063 days into 14 days to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? Healthy and alive, yeah. Glad to hear it because we're still flattening that curve. No? You don't think we're flattening the curve? I was going to say something sarcastic on it, but I decided not to. We got um, plenty of sarcasm today. We got plenty of sarcasm yeah. to cover today, I think. Uh, did you see the uh, the state of the uh, delusion? I was only able to stomach about two to three minutes of it, and I was just like... I don't think I can handle the lying that I seen just I, I'm I didn't have enough duct tape to put around my head, keep it from exploding from the amount of lies last night. And I was like, you know what? I just need some time to decompress and just be away from the news for a bit. So I did. Was a bit horrendous. We're going to be going over some highlights and we're going to start right now with did you take out a second mortgage? This happens if, this, if your spouse gets cancer or your child gets deadly ill, or something happens to you, what are you going to get money to pay for those medical bills? Or are you going to have to sell the house or try to get a second mortgage on? You got to take out a second mortgage to pay for that medical bill, you see, because those those damn Republicans, they want to they want to get rid of your your health care, you see. Well, uh, when it came to health care, it first started with uh, you'd keep your doctor and then it was um, you would pay no more than six hundred dollars. What was it? No more. It was, it's supposed to be like less than six hundred dollars a month or something like that is what they said under Obamacare. And um, yeah, both of those turned out to be lies. I would argue that uh, it shouldn't be only the government, Medicare, which he doesn't say that in here, Medicare, Medicaid, arguing down the prices. Um, he did. He did mention that in, in uh, the State of the Union being able to uh, bargain down the price and, and you know, was that uh, what he was talking about? and those kind of things. Is that what he was talking well, that, about? That's because that's in there. Yeah, he well, I, I agree with you. That's in there. But this is what he said. If you try anything to raise the cost of precision jobs, I will veto it. <laughs> of, of <what> jobs? <laughs> if you try to raise the cost of I will veto. <laughs> OK, um, yeah, whatever you just said there. You know, I actually know of people that have uh, going back to the other clip where he says, you know, taking out a mortgage and all of that. Uh -huh. I know of people that have done that, taking out loans and those kind of things because they just can't afford to live right now. Because uh, this Bidenflation is as bad as it is. Um, they're saying it's 
right now they're saying uh, the American people, the, the poll that was just done by, I think it was ABC and somebody else. Uh, they, they did a poll. Anyway, uh, the poll said uh, over half the American people say they are worse off now uh, than they were before this uh, cabinet or, or administration. So under Trump. And only, I think it was like 16% said that they're better off. That Those 16% are employees of Pfizer, Moderna, you know. Obviously, it's out of the Babylon Bee, but uh, I saw the article that they put up and said that tonight's State of the Union is brought to you by Pfizer. They're not wrong, though. No, they're not. They're, they're absolutely right. Did you know that Joe Biden said he was going to build a wall? Did you catch that part? I thought the border was I not missed a problem. That part. Yeah, the, isn't the wall, like every wall is racist, except for the walls they have around their houses. Every mm-hmm, single wall mm-hmm. is is racist. But no. There's no problem with the border. But yeah, that's right. The border's closed. Yeah. How stupid of me. I want to thank my Republican friends who voted for the law and my Republican friends who voted against it as well. But I'm still, I, I still get asked to fund the projects in those districts as well. But don't worry. I promised I'd be a president for all Americans. We'll fund these projects. And I'll see you at the groundbreaking. So there you have it. Joe Biden's going to build that wall mm. and he's going to be there for the groundbreaking. Now, at least on a political uh, political front, right, if you're if you're trying to run the illusion of appeasing your base, they're going to have to build the wall because even Democrats are having problems with how open the border is. Um, people dying of fentanyl, human trafficking, all kinds of uh well, and they're also wanting to do their gun control. You can't do gun control with an open border. So they, they have to do something to appease both sides. You can do gun control with an open border. The Obama administration proved it with Fast and Furious. True. Which, for those that are unaware, that's where Obama and Eric Holder, who was the attorney general at the time, took actual assault weapons. And, and there was even reports of hand grenades at the time that they shipped to Mexico so that the drug cartels would be armed, and then those weapons would end up trafficked illegally on the black market back into the United States. Then they could use that as a pretext to run traces where they knew that where they were going to come from in the first place and say, oh, see, see, we've got to go after these, these law-abiding gun owners that are financing these guns on the black market. That's what they tried to do, and they got caught. Not only did they get caught, but you had some of those firearms were used in shootings that uh, killed Americans. Of Border Patrol officers. Mm -hmm. And just uh, the normal American citizen as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Was it, uh, I think it, I'm I'm wanting to say it was Sandy Hook, but uh, I might, I might be misremembering. Oh, we don't want to go down that road. I was used by that. Uh, Yeah. An illegal firearm. Well, not illegal. Excuse me. That was technically legal because that was a legal trade of firearms to the cartels. Because the government decides what's legal and not legal. And speaking of that, here is Biden introducing uh, Brandon Say, who was the individual that disarmed the Monterey Park gunman. And he talked about how he saved lives. And I'm not going to disagree with that. He, he did save lives. When you got a brave person that steps up there and disarms somebody, I'm not going to argue with that. But you see, now the government's going to disarm you. Danger to themselves and others. But we know our work is not done. Join us tonight is Brandon Say, a 26-year-old hero. Brandon put his college dreams on hold to be at his mom's side. His mom's side when she was dying from cancer. And Brandon... Brandon now 
now works at a dance studio started by his grandparents. And two weeks ago, during the Lunar New Year celebrations, he heard the studio door close. And he saw a man standing there pointing a semi-automatic pistol at him. He thought he was going to die, but he thought about the people inside. And in that instant, he found the courage to act and wrestled a semi-automatic pistol away from the gunman who had already killed 11 people in another dance studio. 11. He saved lives. It's time we do the same. Band assault weapons now. Ban them now. Once and for all. I love the fight to do that in 1994. In, in 10 years, that ban was law. Mass shootings went down. After we let it expire in the Republican administration, mass shootings tripled. Let's finish the job and ban these assault weapons. They did not triple. No, they didn't. They just manipulated the statistics is all they did, just like they do every single yeah. time. If you're to take the as horrible as what I'm about to say is, if you're to take the corrupt, disgusting, out of control FBI's own statistics and you pit them against the 1990s of shootings in America, mass shootings are down over 50 percent in the United States. You're not going to get rid of all those. Of course you're not. Look at the, the out-of-control gang members in the cities. Do I have to go back over the numbers in Chicago again? They never talk about that. I didn't hear him mention anything about the uh, uh, the crime in any of these cities that are run by people from his own party. I'm not playing party politics. I'm just calling a spade a spade here, but you never hear him mention that. They always talk about how they're going to come after you, the law-abiding citizen. If you're to watch the mass media and you compare that to the statistics that are put out by our own FBI on the mass shootings across the United States, you would think that they're through the roof and people are getting shot like it's the Wild West. Now, again, in the cities where they have total gun bans, I might add, in any blue city across the U.S., total gun bans, if you don't believe me, go and look it up. They have Wild West-style gang shootings every single day. This is normal to them. That is not normal. That is not normal in a, in a quote, civilized society. You know, I currently don't reside inside the United States, but I grew up over there. I, I was raised over there and I was raised in small town America. Bruce, you know the type you, you come from small town America, you come from different parts of the country, but same principles apply here. We're from one of those flyover states, you know, the, the ones that they don't visit, that they don't talk about. Pro-gun communities, as in wasn't even a question that was part of our culture. And it wasn't just hunting and, and fishing and, and, well, you don't use guns to fish, but well, maybe you do if you're from certain parts. But <laughs> I say that jokingly, of course. But if you're an outdoorsman hunting and, and uh, target shooting and all that stuff, yes, I agree with that. That's more of like the recreational side of things. But self-defense, the Second Amendment, your right to keep and bear arms as an American, that is your birthright to stand up against a tyrannical government. This concept it never resonated outside of, of that to do harm to another person. When you're raised like that, you're raised in that culture to be responsible. You're raised by not only your family, but other outside influences to be safe and be responsible with these items. A gun is a tool, just like anything else. 
the government doesn't want you or I'm, I'm not just speaking to Americans. I'm speaking to any any self-respecting human being that wants freedom in this world. The governments do not want you to be in control of your own life. They don't want you to be a sovereign. They don't want you to be independent. They don't want you to be free. They don't want you to be self-responsible for your own actions. They want to be able to make those decisions for you. And if you don't do what they say, they have all the guns and they will shoot you. You don't believe me? Look at North Korea. Look at Cuba. Look at Venezuela. Go back in time. Look at Soviet Russia. Look at Nazi Germany. And I can go on and on and on. That is the reality of what takes place in these countries when you have a disarmed population. Mass murderers, they all seem to agree. I've heard this saying many a times and it holds true. Mass murderers all agree. Gun control works. So I don't care about your assault weapons ban. That's just code for them saying, yeah, we're just going to ban everything. What's an assault weapon? We can go down that road and we can talk for hours about that. What is an assault weapon? An assault weapon. What's the other one they love to use? A weapon of war. What is a weapon of war? Somebody explain that to me. When a pathetic politician says, we need to get rid of these weapons of war. Son, you are at war. Everything is a weapon. Look at the First World War. My God, the trench warfare. They were smashing each other over the face with like uh, uh, shovels. So what, we're going to ban shovels now? We're, we're going to ban clubs with um, or, or ba- wooden baseball bats with like nails driven in them and, and cut off the ends and file them down? Is that what we're going to do? We're going to ban kitchen knives? What is a weapon of war? So I reject all these calls because it just becomes another tool. It becomes another talking point. It becomes another thing for them to stand up there and, and cheer and grandstand. You see, the reason they're cheering and they're grandstanding, apart from the fact that they ought to be ashamed of themselves, they have no business being in those offices. Any self-respecting American politician that stands against the very oath that you swear to uphold, you don't have the responsibility to be in that office, sir or ma'am. You're not responsible enough to be there. So you shouldn't be. So every single person that was just applauding in that clip should resign effective immediately, president included. Notice the ones that were not standing up. They can keep their jobs for now. Yeah, the the ones that weren't standing with the the Warren Boberts, you know, the the, those type. uh, That's the camera went on. Matt Gaetz, Chip Roy, you know. McCarthy didn't even stand for that. Yeah, McCarthy didn't even stand. He didn't even applaud, didn't even, you know. Didn't look none pleased about it. And uh, frankly, he shouldn't because uh, the margin uh, for him being uh, kicked out as speaker is uh, pretty slim. And those people that didn't stand are the ones that uh, have the button to kick him out, basically. Um, to put a finer point on what they're considering uh, assault weapons, uh, the, the recent rhetoric is um, semi-automatics are also considered assault weapons. So... Uh, for the uninformed when it comes to firearms, that is everything but a pump action shotgun, a lever action, or a revolver, uh, bolt action as well. Um, those are all, uh, that, that's all you would be allowed to have. Yeah, uh, I, I, I fail to remember seeing in the Constitution in the Second Amendment where it says you're allowed to have any firearm uh, except assault weapons or except weapons of war, except, no, no, the founders fully intended, they knew these weapons were for war. That was the entire intent. Uh, The founders intended for us to overthrow our government, have the means to overthrow our government again, if ever the uh, situation arose that we had to. I mean, it's very patriotic. It's our duty. I don't don't know what you want to, how you want to word it. it, for the American people to 
be prepared to overthrow their government again. And I don't mean necessarily, uh, you know, with violence or any of those kind of things. If our government becomes tyrannical, it's our job to be it elect new officials and purge this, the, the entire state, the, the apparatus. I mean, that, that is our job, our duty, if you will. Uh, so, Declaration of Independence? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not just your responsibility. It's your duty to overthrow that government and to install new government that is of, foreign mm-hmm. by the people. Yep. I'm kind of paraphrasing the last part of that, but that's almost word for word of our own founding documents. If you want to call that radical, well, then, like I said, I'll go back to what I said before. You swear oaths to uphold those founding principles in what's in those documents. And if you're against that, you don't belong there. That's all there is to it. Yep. And, um, you know, as you said, the, the, the guy that disarmed the gunman, good on you. That, that's great. You know, those 11 people that he killed, if any number of those 11 people were armed themselves, they would have had a, a, an equalized chance of surviving. The thing is, is you can't stop firearms from getting into the U.S. You can't stop weapons of war getting into the hands of criminals. You can't stop it. The only way to solve that problem is to allow law-abiding citizens to have a fighting chance, an equalizer. They should be allowed to have the same kind, which again, that's another reason the Second Amendment is there, is to provide you the opportunity to uh, equalize the situation. So yeah, that that whole, again, let no crisis go to waste. Yeah, of course. They had to get somebody in there that they could grandstand. They always have to get that one person in there. You notice who he was sitting next to. He was sitting next to Bono from U2, who was helping him stand up, who was sitting next to Paul Pelosi, I might add. Looking pretty good after that hammer attack, don't you think? He's looking real good. You know, and the, the thing I didn't notice, which I expected to see, I expected to see his, like, head shaven in the, the area that he got that's hit. That's why because, the hat. That's why the fedora was on. Oh, maybe that's why the hat was there. Yeah, maybe. I expected to see more shaven hair than I seen um, because, you know, if, if you got hit in the head with a hammer, you probably have your head split open. There was fractures. So they're going to have to suture things back together. So they're going to shave that area. And I, I couldn't really tell that there was any shaven area there at all. Uh, even the sideburns and lower, there was no signs of shaven head so no i don't know i'm not saying that uh, the attack wasn't legit or any of those kind of things I'm i just, mean we saw the know, body cam footage dude observing. looked like he took yeah. one to the side of the head I'll, I'll give him that yeah did look like he took one so uh you know that 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 is true um i don't know that that whole situation i'm still skeptical they both were laughing uh when when they answered the door and smiling kind of in uh-huh. a in a like a childish not really childish but kind of like um Hand in the cookie the, jar kind tedious. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right. On, on to the economy. Uh, at least just, mm. I, I think, this this one segment. Bruce, do you know how many jobs that this administration has created? Uh, I have a good idea of how many it's created, but let's hear it. 12 million. You hear it right from the horse's mouth. Two years ago, the economy was reeling. I stand here tonight after we've created, with the help of many people in this room, 12 million new jobs. More jobs created in two years (laughs) than any president's created in four years because of you all, because of the American people. Mm -hmm. 12 million jobs they've created in two years, more than any other Mm -hmm. administration in history has ever created in four. You see, they've done it in two. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They did it in two. Uh, Why, uh, might I ask Joe, why were we down jobs? why, why, why is that? Uh, could it, could it have been maybe a, a pandemic um, that you also had to uh, deal with, you know, uh, those mandates and everything and the 
shutdowns. Now, the shutdowns did start with Trump. True. Um, but you perpetuated it. You perpetuated the narrative. You kept it going. No, you didn't create 12 million jobs. You created zero jobs because that is that the government can't create jobs. They don't do that. That's not their job, nor is that the job of the president. Um, however, uh, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt just for phrasing. That's how we phrase it nowadays. Um, if you look at the stats, it was something like 12 point, uh, 12.4, 12.29, something like that. Somewhere in that range is what we had before the pandemic. After the pandemic, we had something like 12.5 or 12.6. Like they made, basically they created 200,000 jobs. It, it, you could argue that they did create 200,000. That, that, that could be argued. Yeah. The, the catch that, is. That could have been like emergency hires for uh, pandemic relief or, or anything like that. You know, exactly. special people to come in, you know, PPE workers, uh, people in, in factories to spin things up. Like, uh, what was it? Um, Musk. He had to hire a whole bunch of new people because they were going to be doing something with like ventilators or something. He had to hire a whole yeah. bunch of people for that. Because yeah. he just didn't have the staff well, or anything to, to be able Amazon, to do it. Amazon, Amazon hired something like 800,000 yep. or something like yep. that. A ton of employees. So that could be part of uh, part of that number. And honestly, the numbers could have been far worse, far lower. I mean, it, it was probably like 9 or 10 uh, million jobs during the pandemic. So we lost like 2 million. That's, that's very possible, something like that, if it wasn't for those big companies. However, uh, the 200,000 that they can tout, uh, legitimately, uh, I, I will give them, they can tout that. Here's the problem. Inflation is so high. The cost of living has skyrocketed so much that the argument that I would propose, um, you didn't create 200,000 jobs. You already had working people unable. Now, now they're unable to afford the cost of living. So they were already working a job or at least had a part time job. Now they had to go in and find another part time job or, you know, a full time job, whatever the case may be, to afford food. That's what's happening now. So, yeah, you did create 200,000 jobs, but you've reduced the amount of surplus capital the American people have on hand. More people are in debt. More people are behind in their mortgages. I mean, we're, we're talking like 2008, you know, the crash then. We're talking the same kind of levels uh, then of the, you know, financial loss. We're seeing the same thing now. And they're saying this is a great success. I actually saw a statistic um, hmm. last week. I, I think I, I brought it up uh, to you, and it was that it was like 67% of Americans that were polled. I mean, take those polls for what you will. I think it was like a Rasmussen poll or something like that. But 67% of Americans are putting food on their credit cards every month. So that to me, when I see that, that to me means that people literally can't even afford to put food on the table or they're struggling to do so. They're, they're too busy figuring out how to do that. And, and in my opinion, fighting for survival. That, that's to the point. When, when you're figuring out how to put food on the table, that becomes a matter of survival, in my opinion. Because if, well, if you, if you don't have anything to eat, well, then you're going to suffer all the other problems, right? I mean... Uh, you, you, you throw in other statistics in this though. Um, the percentage well, behind on utility bills, better. yeah, they're behind yeah. on utility bills. They're behind on, uh, on like, I, I did see, I, I want to say it was just a few days ago. I saw that a majority, a, a goodly percentage of new car buyers, as in what they considered, uh, new car buyers to be two to three years. A lot of them are now in receivership. Their, their cars are being repossessed and we're doing better somehow. We, we've created 12 million jobs and you've got tech companies that are, are are laying everybody off. If the tech companies are cutting by a third or more 
If they're doing that, what do you think the other companies are about to do? The tech companies, the, the big techs, that's a bellwether when it comes to employment statistics for the rest of the economy. On top of that, you got the Fed chairman, Jerome Powell, who came out today and said that our debt is unsustainable. In my lifetime, I've never heard a Fed chairman say that. Yeah. Uh, I sh- I need to put a little bit of uh, uh, those stats I was kind of uh, mentioning. The Gallup poll, uh, th- this one was, this Gallup poll was released just recently. Uh, actually, this is today's poll. This was released today. Um, they've been, they th- this specific poll, they've been polling since 1976, okay? This is uh, whether Americans are better off or worse off, right? That's the poll. Are you better off, worse off than you were the Since year Since 1966 okay. or 76? 76. 76. 1976. 1976 okay. is when they started. Uh, uh, is this... The, okay, so this was five years after 71, where they changed the financial aspects. Or the, they changed the... Um, uh, that's where we went through the period of stagflation and people's incomes didn't go up, but the cost of everything else. Yeah, huh? Yeah. Yeah, They so they started polling that. Yeah. Uh, the only other times... Uh, in history that the polling that they currently have, 35% of Americans say they are better off now than they were a year ago. Okay. Only 35%. Now keep in mind, a year ago, we were still doing a little uh, pandemic recovery, right? A year ago. Uh, so we were still coming out of pandemic lockdowns and all that kind of nonsense. Well, 50% say they're worse off. Okay. 50% of the nation say they're worse off. The only other time in history since 1976 that this has happened that they've recorded was 2008 and 2009. That was it. That's the only other time that we've had at this, this, uh, at this stat since the stat was recorded. This includes uh, the 1970s or, you know, 76 forward, 80s, 90s, I mean, all the all the all the times that we've had crashes or, you know, downturns, this has been the worst uh, or uh, categorized as one of the worst, if you will. Um, Yeah, only 14 percent said their finances are the same as they were last year. So if you really if you if you put the 14 percent and the 50 percent together, you know, 64 percent, 64 percent of the nation, 64 percent of the nation is not doing well. They're not well off, if you will. They're either the same or worse. Do you know what we need to do in order to fix this, Bruce? We need to get rid of oil and gas. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure that would help the American people. What it, if if the administration says that this is a great success so far with the economy and everything, then getting rid of oil and gas would be on trend with with a great economy in their eyes. In their eyes. However, this doesn't quite line up with the Green New Deal. We have an obligation, not to ourselves, but to our children and grandchildren to confront it. I'm proud of how, the, how America at last is stepping up to the challenge. We're still going to need oil and gas for a while. But guess what? No, we do. They're booing him. Half of them are cla- the, the Republican side is clapping, but the, uh, the Democrat side are booing. You can tell the... Uh, uh, the reactions. So the green transition's not going too well, is it? Uh, no, it's actually not. Um, your synthetic meats, you know, those startups that were supposed to be so amazing, 
Yeah, they're tanking. They're not doing too hot. I uh, saw a section solar. in the store today. I, just on that point, I saw a section in the I was I stopped in the store today to just pick up a couple of things. And I walked past this um this section in like the, the cooler section where like the cheese and, and the butter and everything is. And they have the section in there, the fake meat section. It's nowhere near the real meat. The real meat's on the other side of the store. And this stuff is <laughs> it's called it's called like. So it's like grilled chicken, like barbecued ribs, <laughs> like like hamburger. You can see where nobody had bought any of it. And it's it's just like this uh this sad looking just junk in like this plastic blister pack. And it's just oh it, I was depressed just looking at it. And the, the texture of that stuff is like plastic too. Oh God. I've had the fake cheese. And if you allow the fake cheese to cool, you know, you know how when you get nice warm cheese and it gets all stringy oh, yeah, and stretches yeah, real yeah. nice. Like you pull a yeah. slice of pizza off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 this fake stuff, it's like plastic. It's oh. it, once it just starts to cool a little bit, uh, the, the the texture of it is it, it's really sticky, like uh, you know, almost like a glue kind of. Yeah, it's not it's not great. Um, yeah, oil, uh, petroleum, all of that. Um, yeah. Uh, again, I'll just have the listener look around your room, uh, or, you know, if you're in your car listening, Hey, that's even better because, uh, uh, name me something, uh, that is within reach that has not been affected by petroleum. I'll wait. Cause you ain't going to find anything. This, this whole idea that we're somehow going to, um, completely abandon petrochemicals. How can anybody even believe that? Let's set that aside for a second, that the fact that they want to get rid of all this stuff. Okay, let's just put that aside for just a minute. Look at what they want to build in these cities. Look at this. You're telling me that you're going to manufacture a building or you're going to retrofit a building, which retrofitting in their eyes means you're going to have to tear it down. That's retrofitting to the World Economic Forum. You're going to make a building carbon neutral. So what are we going to build? Mud huts? Are we going to build it out of uh, out of straw and wood, which uh, that's not even sustainable? Well, you can't do wood because you have to chop the wood down. You have to chop the wood down. All is now is yeah. using petroleum. Yeah, that's not that's products, not green. So you can't do it. Yeah, you're going to build these plastic cities with these plastic cars that run on laptop batteries, which we can't even satisfy those contracts and those earmarks. They know that's a pump and dump pile of garbage. They know it is. You're going to build all this stuff without petrochemicals. Without all of the uh, the trace gases that you need to manufacture all this stuff, without the hydrocarbons, I don't think so. All of this is is just nonsense. I saw an article today out of uh, out of Scotland. The Scottish energy provider got caught offsetting their seventy uh, one of their seventy windmill uh, windmill farms. They weren't actually hitting their quotas because they don't work. So in order to hit the quotas that they were reporting. They had to offset it with diesel generators tied to them. This is sustainable. This is green somehow. This is ridiculous is what this is. These companies, which BlackRock, by the way, uh, that whole ESG crap that they're throwing at you with BlackRock, that whole thing that they're not reporting anywhere in the media, that's failing on its face. But they're moving ahead on it anyway. They don't care. Like a degenerate gambler, they're just doubling down and doubling down again and again and again. And they'll continue to do that. They'll double, triple, quadruple, and quintuple down on their failure over and over again because they don't know how to stop. They don't know how to cut their losses and back off. They don't know how to do that. These companies, these investors of the future that Klaus Schwab touts, they don't put their investments in green energy and wind and solar and all this other circus stuff they throw at you. They don't invest in this infrastructure in Russia, China, and India, do they? 
No, it has to be here. They invest in it here because it's a scheme. They, it's a, I, I shouldn't even say it's a scheme. It's a scam. They rake the money off the top. They'll produce the raw materials for that in another country. They'll manufacture through the raw materials in another country for that product that we get here that we're told we have to use that doesn't work. You see, they can't manufacture those things here. Some people that argue, they say, well, why can't we just manufacture our own solar panels? Why can't we manufacture our own windmills? Why can't we manufacture our own uh, electric cars? Because if they were to do that, you would see just how toxic and noxious those gases are. And that process is in order to um, give you that uh, that clean future that they promise you. It's not so clean. As a matter of fact, it's actually worse. We were talking about the Prius, the Toyota Prius or Prius, whatever you want to call it. We were talking about that way back when, when Al Gore was promoting that thing back many, many years ago. Do you know how many times that car, that that Prius, that was a hybrid, by the way, that's not even a full electric car. Do you know how many times that thing circles the globe by the time it gets to a car lot to be sold to you? At least three and a half going on four times, depending on which country it started in. An electric car, as it sits right now, even the most efficient one out there, which I believe is a Tesla, even the most efficient electric car only starts reducing its, quote, carbon footprint, which is not even an actual, that's just another concocted term that these people have created out of thin air through one of their criminal think tanks. You have to drive 60,000 miles in one of these electric cars before they will even begin to start becoming carbon neutral. And by the time you hit 60,000 miles in one of these cars, you're approaching halfway, maybe a third of the way into the life of that battery pack that you're going to have to replace. That's going to cost you a third of that car. With depreciation, it'll end up costing you more than the car, or the value of the car. And then we can't recycle those products. So what are we going to do? We're going to throw them in a landfill? How is that green? How's that good for the environment? We can't recycle these windmills either. We can't recycle these solar panels. I'm all for cleaner energies and moving away from petrochemicals, but, but paying these slobs like Al Gore money is not the way to do it. Paying governments to create this stuff in third world countries. Bruce, you ever seen a cobalt mine? I mean, we've seen the lithium fields. You saw the lithium field, right? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen a cobalt mine? I have. You have. Let me show you a piece that was done just the other day. I'm not going to run any, uh, uh, just so you can describe what you're seeing. I'm not going to run any audio with this. This is a cobalt mine. This is in the Democratic Republic of Congo, which is in dispute right now. The U.S. and uh, NATO countries, European countries and China uh, are in the midst of fighting over this country right now because this country possesses the largest supply of cobalt in the world. What does this look like to you? Does this look like humanitarian uh, conditions? Does this look like uh, you're paying workers a fair wage to mine the cobalt for your uh, your electric car because you're saving the planet? Mm, yeah, looks uh, really safe and uh, humane. Would you like to describe what you're seeing? Well, uh, the, the footage that we were just seeing, um, there was thousands of people all smashed together. It looked like they were uh, breaking rocks, basically, and sifting through, finding uh, the bits of ore that they're after. Uh, even kids of a uh, pretty young age are out there, um, you know, maybe, what, five, eight, somewhere in that range. Something like that, yeah. Um, it's difficult to tell with their diets being slightly different. Uh, they could be 12 years old, but they look like they're, you know, younger. But 
when you have a uh, your diet isn't great uh, obviously you don't grow as as quickly uh yeah it does not look does not look humane at all no and this or, is uh this is where you get your your electric car from is this now mind you not only does your electric car come from places like this the fact that we're going to continue this knowing full well knowing that we don't even have the materials available to satisfy current contracts we don't have the materials available on earth on this planet that we know of to be able to replace what we have already manufactured so when you say you're going to get rid of oil and gas hey i'm with you I'm with you. Let, let's let's transition into something that's clean. But damn it, let's transition into something that actually works. Electric cars do not work. They are meant to fail. They are meant to make you quit. That is the point of them. It's a scam to bleed you dry financially as a nation, make you dependent and make you give up. That is the point of an electric car. That is the point of a solar panel. That is the point of uh, these useless eyesores that they put up called windmills, again, that we cannot recycle. We cannot repurpose them. Do you know that these windmills that they put up all across the Western world, do you know that those with the three propellers on them, they only capture less than 3% of the wind that passes through them? Wind technology, wind, wind harnessing technology, actually works if it's used correctly. But they're not interested in something that works correctly. All of their money goes into stuff that doesn't work. So yeah, we're going to need oil and gas for a little bit longer. Just a little bit. Uh, that's not to mention uh, talking about all the uh, uh, EVs and all of that and the lithium-ion batteries. Uh, lithium-ion loses its charge over time. Uh, by that, I mean maximum charge where you can charge it to. So for example... I think it's a it's in the vicinity of 2.5% roughly uh, uh, capacity per year. Uh, that said, they're saying on an EV, they're saying that the car battery should last about 100,000 miles. It could last longer, uh, but 100,000 miles is kind of the average. I, I think that's the federal requirement is 100,000 yeah, miles. You're two thirds through the life of the battery at the time it starts saving uh, the so, carbon. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to be. You have to be well over that 100,000 mile mark to actually reach net zero, to be fully cleared. You, you have now, uh, you know, uh, the, you've now driven it enough that it is considered net zero at that point, right? You, you start paying it off at 60,000, but at, at past that, you, you start, yeah, by the time your vehicle is uh, net zero, you have to replace it. In fact, your your car may fizzle out before then. Um, they're saying that the government requires at least 10 years or uh, 100,000 miles. Let's say that it's 10 years. If you're losing 2.5% of the battery life per year, the capacity per year, within 10 years, you're, you've lost 25% of your battery just right off the bat. So, you know, if you're if you're like a 300 mile range on your car, by the first year, you're already down to like 290 miles. And that's going to continue decreasing. You know, you're within what, five years are going to be around 260-ish, somewhere yeah, in that range? And not, not to mention, not not to mention the fact of the, the stat we were going over a, a few weeks ago about the new uh, Humvee from GM, a new one from dead, plugging it into a charger at your home takes a week to charge. 
and you can only get 200 miles out of it. And that's if you're not hauling anything. If you get the one with the tow package that they swear by, 60 miles. It's the best you're going to do. Now, here's the fun part with lithium ion. Uh, you can uh, increase the longevity of it by keeping the battery between 80 and 20% charge. So don't allow it to go any lower than 20%, but don't charge it any higher than 80%. And you will increase the lifespan of your, uh, your, your, your battery. Um, by how much? Interesting fact uh, on that one. Um, we, we don't have an actual number on that, on how much it's going to, to change things. But here's the catch. Um, if you are always uh, uh, recharging your car to 80%, right, or your battery to 80%, within 10 years, you're only going to be able to charge it to 80% because you will have lost 20 to 25% of the battery's capacity within that time period. So I don't really know how they're saying 80% increases the longevity of it unless they've cracked it open and looked at the damage the lithium has taken because um, uh, the... The lithium on the inside, as you use it, it starts to crack, and those the the cracking and everything is is what what's what's causing the the loss of capacity over time. Of course, then you've got to keep things in mind like temperature and you uh, humidity, and I mean, there's so many other factors in this. How quickly you're charging it, how uh, quickly you're doing cycles, so uh, discharging, charging. Uh, it, it, there's so many different factors in this. Uh, it's better and more reliable to stay with petroleum-based vehicles. This is this is this is kind of an economics 101. Uh, supply and demand, right? Lithium and cobalt are very uh, short in supply on this planet. We would have to go off planet to get it. Ironically, by the way, the same people that are telling us we have to use electric vehicles and use vaccinations to um, uh, decrease populations. Yes, I said that correctly. They're also saying we should not go to space travel. We, we should not be looking at space travel. We should be focusing on depopulating the planet right now. Climate change. Yeah. And well, yeah, that, that, well, that depopulation is climate change. That, that yeah, is climate yeah. change. Goes uh, hand in just hand. to point out, um, we saw the interview that was done by one of the private car operators in Davos, Switzerland. He was asked the question, um, I see all of these electric cars and, and they're promoting all these electric cars to the, you know, to the world at this, this meeting. Um, what kind of car do you drive uh, the people that attend Davos in? He says, oh, we have to use gasoline powered cars. We're not allowed to use electric cars. The reporter said, well, why is that? And he says, well, that's because they're too dangerous. Yeah. Uh, you get in an accident and, oh, look at that. Your door won't open because you can't, the locking mechanism doesn't work because the battery is now shot when you're in the accident. Oh, what's that? The battery you just caught on fire? Well, Congrats, you're now in an oven. I mean, that's that's what happens in a lot of accidents with EVs. They burst into flames or they short circuit and cause the hull of the vehicle to be electrified. And when you try to get out of the vehicle, yeah, you, you get a nice little jolt of uh, electricity. Yeah, no, thanks. I'll pass. Um, I, I, I don't want one of those. Uh, and the other reason that they use gas in those vehicles, let's say there's a a situation and they have to scramble and and leave in a hurry you know if you're a high profile individual um they have jerry cans uh, of gas so if they have to go they can continue going and continue going whereas a battery operated car you're out of juice you're out of juice you have to stop for at least 45 minutes to refill that whereas if you have a jerry can it just takes you you know a minute or two to get out fill up the the tank again and off you go again uh, what you're seeing here on your screen, Bruce, this is a this is an electric bus in Paris that just spontaneously exploded. And that looks like a pretty hot fire there. 
And oh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to see like the cells guess. erupting. You can see like the, like the, the, the molten lithium is just like yeah. shooting out of it. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Lithium and metal looks like melting off of it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to guess when the fire department showed up and they started hosing that down, I'm sure it was like 10,000 gallons per bus before they were was, able to put down the, actually, put out the fire. <laughs> yeah, I I saw uh, I saw one the other day. It was a it was a, an electric car that was in California. Uh, I think it was off like Highway 61 or whatever it was. Well, it was out there in the middle of nowhere. The police and fire showed up. They used 6,000 gallons of water to put the fire out, and it didn't even fully go out. It was still burning. Yeah, I know just a normal car fire. Those things get pretty hot. Like aluminum starts melting, you know, those uh, it gets hot. You throw in lithium ion and, you know, the other components involved like, look, there. Look Basically, anybody standing on either side of that is uh, like you're dead. They just you just got roasted. Yeah. yeah. Or at least you got severe burns from the, the embers coming off of that. That literally that looks like pyrotechnics from like a movie or something like as many yeah. sparks and stuff that's coming off of there. Yeah. Like I said, that's not the future. That's the past. Said it many times before. You got anything else today? We can go uh, we can I, go on. Wanna... He's good. He's just rambling about like the border and fentanyl and they're playing the blame game and they're shouting back and forth. And I, I just I don't care. We all know it's coming from China. I, I also want to point out real quick in that video I was noticing. Go back to when it catches on fire, if you would. And I'll, I'll point something out. You noticed it's on fire and sparks are going everywhere. The thing's bursting into flames. The lights are still on. They st the, the yeah, vehicle the still has electricity going to it. Again, uh, me pointing out that the, the hull of the vehicle becomes electrified when these kind of things short out. Um, I'm curious, uh, was that hull of the bus electrified in this uh, situation? I don't know. It's a good question. But we also saw something similar out of the uh, the London double-decker bus yard when one caught and then another. It just it was a chain reaction because it just jumps like to the next cell, and the next cell, and the next cell. Yeah, that, those those cells burst into flames at like 250 degrees, roughly. So and the the fumes that are being and the the gases that are being put off by this that that's not harmful to the environment or anything, is it? No. If anybody's familiar with you know seeing fire, it's pitch black smoke. Yeah. If, if yeah. you're familiar with any kind of fires, that means there's a lot of chemicals involved. Yeah. Petroleum based usually has a uh, black smoke like that. It does. Uh, mm -hmm. Like I said, no more today about the uh, the state of the, uh, the the delusion or whatever. I again, it was just the rest of it was just about like the border and uh, who's responsible for the border, which uh, the border's closed. We yeah, said that the border's, border's closed. closed. Yeah, they were going back and forth about the fentanyl thing. And look, I, like I said, we, we all know where it's coming from. It's coming from China. You got anything else today other than that? Uh, yeah, I would. I would like to point out why the hell do we have to have a live. Uh, why, why does the president have to come forward and do the State of the Union? Why, why can't it be just a letter to Congress and no show, no uh, political theater, none of that nonsense? Can we just go, go just, hey, this is the State of the Union. This is the letter. This is how things are going. This is what I would like to see. This is what I'm hoping for. Uh, this is what our administration is focused on and move on. Uh, why, why do we have to make this big show of it? When we all know it's political theater, we all know that Republicans are going to stab their constituents in the back. Democrats are going to continue to push their uh, transgenderification of everything and, and uh, you know, eugenics and all that fun stuff. So why, 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 why do we do this anymore? That's a good question. Why do we? Perhaps on the other side of this, we should do away with that. If I remember right, I think it was Woodrow Wilson. But anyway. Oh, well. 
I would say that that administration is where all of this started 110 years ago, 1913. We got the Federal Reserve Act, okay. and that was done vote. under was done under his administration in the middle of the night with three members of Congress. Uh, I just want to make sure when was the first one. Let's see if I can find it real quick. Yes, I was right. Yes, it is Woodrow Wilson 1913 address. There you go. 110 years ago is when our current problems started. So I think it's high time we uh, we fixed all that, don't you? Yep. We will be back tomorrow with Marty. So, Bruce, thank you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone and have a great evening.